0: Good morning. It's great to see you all today. Tell someone near you that it's good to see them. Don't lie to them. I mean, if, if it's not good to see them, don't lie to them. Say hi. Just say hi. Hey, uh, we're starting a new series, but before I do that, um, I just want to, we have some special guests here today. And so, Pastor Jeremy and Kristen Pass are over here. Would you guys wave, stand up if you want? Uh, they, pastor Jeremy is a pastor down in Georgia of the church that Pastor Brad, our worship pastor, came from. And so, they came this weekend to visit them. And I think he's going to punch me in the face at some point for stealing Brad. He hasn't done it yet, but um, I think that's coming. But it's good to have you guys, and, and thanks for coming. Um, today, we're going to start a new series The Journey to the Cross. And, and this is the first Sunday of a season that, that in the church we celebrate called Lent. And so Lent is the 40 days leading up to Easter, not including Sundays. And Lent is a season where we, we prepare our hearts and where we journey with Jesus on His path to the cross. Jesus in Philippians chapter two, it, it tells us the path that Jesus took. It says he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even to death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, and on heaven and on on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledged that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so we understand that Jesus, when he walked this earth, he had a path. He took a path to the cross. And in Lent, we, we walk with him in his journey to the cross. He was obedient even to death, death on the cross. So everyone, you're going to be looking at the cross a little bit today, so go ahead and can everyone see it? It's kind of tucked away in the corner. There's no light on it. Jesus went to the cross. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23 to 24, Jesus says this. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. And so we understand that when Jesus walked the earth, he had a journey to the cross. He became obedient, humbled himself, surrendered completely, sacrificed everything to be obedient to the Father, to God, and even to death on the cross. And then Jesus tells us in Luke 9 that if we're gonna follow him, if we're gonna call ourselves Christians, then we have to take up our cross and follow him. So here's what I want you to hear at the beginning of this Lenten season. The only path to life, the only path to eternal life, to life to the fullest, is the path to the cross. And so in Lent, we take that journey with Jesus to the cross. We prepare our hearts. We all love Easter, don't we? Do you love Easter? Great celebration. I love the energy. I love how many people show up on Easter. It's this incredible celebration of life. But listen, there is no Easter without Jesus' journey to the cross. There is no resurrection life for the believer if we don't first take the journey to the cross. So that's what we're doing over the next six weeks. We're talking about what it looks like, what it looks like to take up our cross daily and follow Him. Uh, The the first thing we're going to talk about today is is the word repentance, that we are called to repentance. In in Mark chapter 1, Jesus says, the time has come the kingdom of God has come near, repent, and believe the good news. So the first thing that we're going to talk about today is repentance, that, that as a follower of Christ, we have to take up our cross and follow Jesus, and, and the first way that we do that is we repent. So what does repent mean? Well, if you, you could get different definitions online. One place I looked said that it's, it's understanding that you've been wrong and saying you're sorry. Uh, repentance would be understanding, so, so let's start here. One of the roles of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to bring conviction, and so if our journey, if our path to life is the cross, if our path is to follow Jesus, then, then maybe a good way to understand it would be that when we get off of that path, when we veer off, when we make a mistake, when we find ourselves not on that path, The Holy Spirit brings conviction, makes us aware that we've missed it, and repentance is acknowledging that we have gotten off the path, but it's not just acknowledging. It's seeking forgiveness. It's not just seeking forgiveness. It's turning and heading toward Christ. So repentance is more than just saying, I'm sorry, God, I've blown it. Repentance is a turning It's understanding we've been wrong and turning to live for Him, getting back on the path. And and so I want you to just visualize that path today. As we work through Lynn, I want you to visualize this path that we are walking with Jesus to the cross. And doing that, we will experience eternal life and life to the fullest. Uh, the Nazarene article of faith number eight. Isn't it a great day when we can quote the Nazarene articles of faith? I feel like such a nerd. <laughs> Repentance, which is sincere and thorough change of mind in regard to sin involving a sense of personal guilt and a voluntary turning away from sin, is demanded of all those who by act or purpose become sinners against God. And so what we believe is that when we mess up, We have to realize it. The Holy Spirit convicts us. We realize it, and we turn, and we follow Jesus. That's repentance. So today we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12, and and let me just set it up by saying this. Hebrews chapter 1 through 10 is all about the path all about the fact that Jesus is the only way, that his sacrifice on the cross is once and for all. And so Hebrews 1 through 10 kind of sets that up. Hebrews 11 gives us this awesome picture. It's it's like the hall of faith. It's person after person who faithfully followed God and walked the path. And and so it tells us those stories. And then Hebrews chapter 12 starts, and it says, so we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. We need to follow him, and we need to run our race. And, And so this This is written to teach us to continue on the right path. Now, let me just say this. Uh, We're in chapter 12, verse 4 through 13 today, and I have wrestled with this text all week, all week long. All week, I've been studying it. Why don't you stand with me? We're going to stand for God's word. And here's what I want to say that God speaks to us through His word. That, that God's word, just as you see me and hear me today, God wants to speak and move through His word. And all week, I've been struggling. I've been studying because I don't want to present God's word wrong to you today. And so I'm going to humbly come before you and say that I am not perfect. I have studied, I have prayed. And here is God's Word, and my prayer is that God will speak to you through His Word. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 4 through 13 says, In your struggle against sin, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, and, and have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when He rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the one He loves, and He chastens everyone He accepts as His Son. Endure hardship as discipline." God is treating you as His children, for what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everybody undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we've all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of Spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Praise the Lord. Have a seat. You see why I've struggled with that all week? It's heavy stuff. We're, we're talking about discipline. So today we're talking about repentance that Jesus calls us to repent. But, but this text, I think, is important because it helps us understand God's role in correcting us, in teaching us, in training us, in calling us to repentance. It starts with this. It says, in your struggle with sin. So let me just say this. Let's just get this right out there. The path of following Jesus the path of living righteous is a tough journey. It's not easy. And so, the author says right here, in your struggle against sin. Any of you struggle when, when you've got to focus and you're going somewhere? Do any of you struggle to stay on that on that path or that focus. So my kids have a saying. I've told you about the saying. If you remember it, you can you can say it. But they have these these letters P T F. Anyone remember what P T F stands for? It stands for Parents Talk Forever. <laughs> <laughs> and so anytime we stop at someone's house and we say, Hey, we'll be we'll be back in just a minute, the kids will turn to each other and say, P T F. It's not gonna be a minute, P T F. And here's the deal. I have this problem that sometimes I'll come in. This happens to me all the time. I'll come into the church, and I will have one goal, one path. I've got to get this done. I'm going to get it done by 10 o'clock, by 11 o'clock, by noon, and I will come in completely focused. I've got to get this done. And you know what happens every time that I come into the church with something I've got to focus on? There's always a problem that meets me at the door, or there's always someone that wants to talk to me, or there's always someone that I pass that I really love and haven't seen or talked to in a while, and so, PTF, I've got to talk to him. And every time it seems like I've got this thing, I've got this path I've got to walk, and every time it seems like I get sidetracked over and over again. That's, that's kind of the journey of faith, and you know this. Unless you're perfect, which, which none of you are, you know that that path is hard to stay on. And the truth is, there there are distractions right and left. There are things. There's an enemy that wants to keep you from following Jesus, from having life. And so, God wants to focus you. God wants to train you. God wants to discipline you to follow Him. And, And so, it's not easy, but God, let me just say this. God is here today. His Spirit, if you are a follower of Christ, lives inside of you. If you are not a follower of Christ, God is here, and His Spirit is already working to bring you to Him, and God wants to lead you on the path to righteousness and to life. And so it it says here, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. It uses this word over and over again, discipline. And this is where all week I've, I've wanted to make sure that I studied this completely. So I want to talk today about how God disciplines us because there are a lot of false ideas of God's discipline. So so I've got three things. The first is this that God allows us to go through difficulty that God allows things to happen to us. We, we talked about this a few weeks ago, that in the beginning, Adam and Eve chose their own path, and in that moment, sickness and sin and death entered the world, and ever since then, there's been sin and death, and things happen, and, and sometimes God allows things to happen. Hear my language, God allows things to happen. You will go through things that maybe you have no control over. Sickness cancer, problems with loved ones or in your family, people that will hate you or turn against you, and it's not your fault you didn't do anything, but it happens. And here's the deal. We believe that God can heal anyone or anything. We just sang it. God is over all of it. God could heal anyone at any time. God is over it all. But God allows things to happen to us. And so, Maybe some of you are sitting out there and you're like, God, why aren't you healing me? Why aren't you fixing this? I want you to know that God is not in neutral. God wants to discipline you and train you. Don't hear that wrong. God wants to train you to follow him. The second way uh, that that we endure discipline is, is that we suffer the consequences of our own decisions. Sometimes we veer off the path. We make mistakes, and we have to deal with the earthly consequences of those mistakes. I stay up too late. I'm tired the next day. I didn't do the things I needed to do. I'm not prepared. And there's things that we do that we veer off the path, and we've got a path, but I veer off, and it's my own fault, and I have to deal with the consequences. The third thing is that we experience the conviction of the Holy Spirit. One of the roles of the Holy Spirit is that when we veer off the path, whether it's our fault or not, God wants to redirect us to Him. And so, have any of you ever played the game Two Truths and a Lie? Raise your hand if you've ever played Two Truths and a Lie. Okay, so it's a game where you come up with three things and you tell it to the people around you and they've got to decide which two things are true and which one thing is a lie. Today, I want to talk about two lies and one truth because there are some lies that we've been told and maybe you've heard in the church about God's discipline. And so I want to talk about these things. Um, So the first thing I want to talk about is, is when we have hardship, when things happen to us that are outside of our control, it says in verse 7, endure hardship as discipline. Now, let's be really clear about this. This is what I've wrestled with all week. And, and let me, I'm, I'm going to stand humbly before you and tell you that I don't have all the answers, but I have studied and studied. And here's, here's what I think the lie that the devil is trying to tell us is, is that God is punishing you. God is punishing you for what you've done that God is after you, that the things that happen to you, you've got in, in uh, John chapter 9, there's a person that's blind, and the disciples say, hey, what's the cause of his blindness? Is it his parents' sin? Is it someone else's sin? And, and Jesus says, no, this isn't the result of sin. This isn't punishment. This is for God's glory. And so, so here's the deal. God is not punishing you. If you are sick, If you're going through a a deep brokenness or a relational issue god is not mad at you and punishing you that does not line up with who god is and what he does god does not punish us for our sins god wants to lead us to repentance and salvation through the grace of jesus christ so let's just get this straight every sin you've ever committed every sin you will ever commit has already been punished and paid for on the cross that Jesus Christ hung on. Everything you've ever done wrong, every time you've missed the boat, you've veered off the path, has already been paid for on the cross. There's no need for punishment. The punishment has been served. The debt has been paid. God is not punishing you. Jesus took our punishment on the cross. and Jesus' death on the cross, all of our debt due to sin has been paid for. Let's jump to the Articles of Faith again because you guys love the Articles of Faith, don't you? We believe that Jesus Christ by His sufferings, this is the sixth one, by His sufferings, by the shedding of His own blood, by His death on the cross made full atonement for all human sin, and that this atonement is the only ground for salvation, and that it is sufficient for every individual of Adam's race. So, the first lie that sometimes you may hear is that God is punishing you, that God is after you. That is not accurate. You are not being punished for your sins or anybody else's. God wants to train. God wants to correct god wants to guide you and draw you towards him so maybe some of you today you've been going through a really tough thing maybe you're dealing with a sickness maybe there's something in your life and you don't understand why it's happening listen to me god is not punishing you he loves you so much that he sent his one and only son to die on a cross so that you wouldn't have to be punished that you could have life and life to the fullest first lie is that, that God is punishing you. The second one has to do with, with the conviction we're going to talk about here in a minute. And that's, that's the lie that we should feel shame and that we should live in shame because of our sin. So the first thing is things that happen to us. The second thing that gets in our way is when we choose the wrong path. And when we choose the wrong path, we need conviction to bring us back. But the problem is the enemy, the devil, wants you to think that when you've messed up, you're terrible, you're not good enough, you're unlovable, you're never going to make it, and brings shame on you. It says here, God is treating you as his children For what children are not disciplined by their father? It says later, moreover, we all had human fathers that disciplined us and we respect them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of the spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while. God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. God's conviction when we veer off the path is not to shame us and make us feel like we are worthless. If, if anything, God's conviction is to show us our value and to point us to Him because we are His sons and daughters. God's conviction because He loves us and He values us. So, two quick stories, maybe quick stories. Yesterday, I was working upward, uh, volunteering at Upward, and I was doing the scoreboard. All right, now, you guys know I tell you all the time that I'm not… No, I don't need cloud. You're… I messed it up big time. (laughs) Um, So I I was working the scoreboard upward, and you guys know I'm not perfect, right? I confess to you all the time. I'm confessing to you right now uh, that I blew it yesterday, and so I'm working the scoreboard. But one place that I try to be perfect is when I'm running a scoreboard or I'm running, you know, the computer for something, like, I try to be perfect. I pride myself on not making mistakes by being not focused. And so I'm watching a, I think it was sixth, seventh and eighth grade girls basketball game, might've been seventh, eighth and ninth. And I'm sitting there and I'm keeping the scoreboard. There wasn't a ton of action, lots of fouls, not a lot of action. And I'm sitting there and I've already done one game and I'm on top of it. I mean, every time they blow that whistle, boom, clock stops. The second the ball touches someone's hand, boom, clock starts, clock stops. I mean, like, I mean, it was was a thing of beauty. (laughs) But but there was a moment. (laughs) where i got a little sidetracked and and i decided hey there's not a whole lot going on right now i'm going to send a text and so i picked up my phone and i sent a text and i put my phone down and i got a text back and and i put my phone down and and somewhere in the middle of all that i made a pretty big mistake i gave a point to the wrong team And, and so here i am i'm running the clock two minutes later this coach comes over and says hey the score is wrong. We've got the wrong score. And I I was like, okay, uh, you know, let's wait till timeout. We'll fix it. Whatever. You know, it's probably not wrong because I don't mess up, but you know, but maybe, you know, (laughs) humbly, I, I know I do mess up. And so I said, we'll get it at a timeout. So then the timeout comes and and there's parents over here. And this one guy's saying, my daughter has three baskets and a free throw. We have seven points and you have us down for four. And the other coach is over here and says, no, we have six points. I know we have six points. And the other guy's like, we have seven. I know it's seven. And people over here are saying, the score is six to five. And no, we have seven. No, we have six. And, And you know what? I had a path. I picked up my phone, I texted, I veered off the path, and I blew it. And I didn't know what the score should be. And so the coaches kind of agreed, okay, they have seven, they have six, we set it at that. The fans were angry at me. <laughs> I mean yelling, it's not 7-6, six, it's 6-5, six to five. like carnal, like, like if they had guns, I would have been done for. Best part of the whole story, I had to give the halftime devotional. <laughs> and so like three minutes later, I got to pick up a microphone and get up and, let me tell you about Jesus. <laughs> and I mean, you could see their anger. Uh, let's, talk, let's talk about forgiveness, people. Like, let, We're gonna change the devotion to forgiveness. Um, they were angry. So, so listen, I veered off the path and I messed up. And you know what? I felt a little bit, I'll be honest, I feel terrible when I make a mistake like that. Another thing that I did, let me confess to you something else. If you know me, you know that when I make an appointment with someone, you guys will nod your heads when you hear this, when I make an appointment with someone, if I don't put it in my phone calendar, I will forget that appointment. It's proven at this point. I am not good at remembering things. And so about a month ago, I made an appointment with someone. I made a lunch appointment. And it got changed on the fly, and I forgot to go in and put it into my phone. And the next week, I'm sitting in a meeting in my office, and it's about 1230, and I get a text from the person I was supposed to be eating lunch with saying, hey, are you still coming? My lunch was at noon. They'd been sitting there for 30 minutes, and I blew it. And I'm going to be honest with you, I probably have apologized 100 times. I felt terrible. But the truth of the matter is, I messed up. I blew it. I should have put that in my phone. I know myself well enough to know that if someone makes an appointment with me, it has to go in the phone first thing. I blew it. Now, here's what I want you to hear. We, we've all blown it, right? Am I the only one? You guys have all blown it? Sometimes we veer off the path a little bit. In our walk with Jesus, now, like, I don't think any of the, either of those things were sinful things, but I messed up. And sometimes in our walk with Jesus, in our attempt to follow Jesus, we veer off the path. Maybe we get the wrong attitude. Maybe we lose faith a little bit. And the Holy Spirit wants to convict us and wants to point us back to the right path. Here's what the lie is. The lie is that you should experience shame and you should feel terrible and you should dwell on it and you should affect, let it affect your day and, and your week and, and you should just know you're rotten. That's not what God is doing when God corrects us. God loves you. And, and God's desire is not for you to live in shame. God's desire we see here is for you to live in righteousness and holiness, and life to the fullest. And so the enemy might tell you, if you've met, and so, you may have messed up in a small way, you have, may, might have messed up in a really huge way, you may have veered a little step off the path, or you may have jumped or ran a mile in the wrong direction. And the enemy wants to tell you that God is looking at you and wants to shame you. That's not how God looks at you. Did you know that when God looks at you, He sees? sons and daughters who are being made perfect by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. God doesn't look at Alex and say, that moron that can't keep a scoreboard. (laughs) God doesn't look at me and say, that guy that forgets appointments all the time and messes up. God looks at me as His Son, who He loves, and He doesn't desire me to live in shame. He desires for me to live in His holiness and righteousness. And so that brings us to the, the truth. The two lies are that God is punishing you or God is wanting you to be in shame. The truth is this. The truth is that God's desire is for us to have life, and God wants us to live in victory. It says, God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in His holiness. Later on, however, discipline produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who are trained by it. Strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level the paths of your feet so that you wouldn't be disabled but rather healed. God's desire for your life is to be healed and whole and live life, the life you were created to live. And so, the truth is this, the discipline of the Lord. When you're going through a really tough time, when there's a roadblock that's not your fault, or maybe there's one that is your fault and there's conviction and correction, the discipline of the Lord is not to hurt you, it's to help you. It's to give you life. It's to put you on the right path. Repentance keeps us on the path to righteousness. Jesus says the time has come The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So here's the deal today. I know that there are people in here, maybe, maybe some of you in here have been going through a tough time, you're trying to follow Jesus, you know where the path is, but it just seems like things are coming into your path and tripping you up and, and, and getting in your way, and maybe there's stuff that's outside of your control that's been happening to you, and you've been struggling, and you've been asking, God, where are you in this? Let me tell you today that God is with you, that He loves you. And even in your worst circumstances, God wants to train and correct and point you to life and to holiness. Maybe there's people in here today that would say, hey, I I blew it. I knew what I was supposed to do, and I took my eyes off the prize, and I veered off the path. Maybe it's a little bit, maybe it's a lot. Today, the Spirit of God is here wants to correct you, wants to bring discipline, not punishment, discipline, to point you back to Jesus. The calling today is this, repent and turn to Jesus. Worship team's going to come up. Now, through Lent, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to have a little bit more response time after the message, and there are four different responses that are here every week for you. And so there's a station over here, you'll see this table over in the corner. That's a place that if you need somebody to pray for you, you can go over to that table and there's gonna be people that will pray for you, that will help you and pray for you and intercede for you uh, to God. And so if you need to be prayed for, that, that station right over there, you see the cross over here and there's two altars there. Maybe today you just need to go and you need to kneel at the cross and you just need to pray and you need to get alone with God. I want to encourage you to respond. The third station is there's communion in the back where we can experience uh, the, the grace, the, the sacrament of communion, experience uh, the body that's broken for us and His blood that was shed for us that gives us life. And so, so there's communion there. And then in the middle, in the back, there's the prayer station that we did on Ash Wednesday of repentance. If you didn't come, I would encourage you to go check it out. It's a, it's a great thing to, to walk through and experience this. So here's what we're going to do. We're gonna take this time and we're gonna respond. And I wanna encourage you, you can get up, you can walk around, you can stand, you can sing, you can come to an altar, pray, you can go over there, you can be prayed for, take communion. I want you to hear the word of the Lord and I want you to respond to how the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding you. I don't care how rough things have been. If you're off the path, God is here and his spirit wants to turn you towards Jesus. And maybe today you feel like you're perfectly on the path. Today, commit again, as Hebrews 12, the earlier part says, fix our eyes on Jesus. This season of Lent is a time to hear from God, a time to walk the journey to the cross with Jesus, and allow God to lead us. So, stand with me. And as we sing these last few songs, I just want to encourage you to respond freely. Move around. Go to a prayer station. Whatever it is that you feel led to do, come to an altar. Whatever it is, you have freedom to respond in whatever way God leads you. Father, I pray you'd speak to each one of us. I thank you that you love us, and I thank you that your spirit is here with us, Lord. I pray that you would lead us today. If there's anybody that's off the path, Lord, correct us. Guide us back to you. Lord, I pray that each and every one of us today, this first Sunday of Lent, We'll be able to say that we are fully committed to walk the path of taking up our cross and following you. We give you everything. We surrender everything to you, Lord. Speak to us. We respond now in Jesus' name. Amen.